So welcome to the mission. Um, as you guys know, my name's Mark. Most of you know me, at least, if you don't know me. Um, I'm not a preacher. I'm a doctor, but I, I, and I usually come up with some kind of joke today, but I'm just going to give up the joke on being a doctor. So, Because um, uh, <laughs> I, I ran out of doctor jokes. So you guys come, come up and talk to me about them later. But you know, I'm really honored to be up here speaking to you guys today. I, I know this is a tough, a tough week for many of us. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've been seeking God, God this week um, and just really trying to figure out what, what, God, what God's really asking me to say. Um, and I, I hope for many of you this week uh, has been, you know, a week of prayer and, and caring for each other and loving on each other and, and um, you know, in this grieving kind of process that we're going through right now. Um, that's really what's important is that we we do this together as a community. Um, that's that's why we're here as a church. So, for those of you who are new today, I don't know if there's anybody new here, but um, just in case you know you haven't heard, um, you know this is going to be a, kind of a raw service. There's some stuff that's going to be a little bit tough um, to talk about, and I just wanted to like, kind of warn you about that. Um, but I also believe that Jesus has a lot to say about grieving and about what we're, what we're going through as a church. And, and, and this doesn't just happen you know, as a church. It happens in all of our lives. Unfortunately, there's, there's things down, deep down, in, down inside that we know are coming. Um, you know, it, it could be a, lo- a loss of a loved one. It could be a loss of, of a job. It could be a loss of, of, of a lot of things. Loss is part of life. And it's, it's sometimes we try and ignore it or try and stay away from it or imagine it won't happen to us. But... In truth, grieving is a process that we're all going to have in our lives throughout our lives. And um, so I hope that as we, as we talk today a little bit about grieving, that, that you can apply that to a lot of different areas in, in, in your life. Because I know, unfortunately, this, this is coming. Um, as, as we you know, live our lives, grief happens. Um, so it's that thing kind of deep down that we all know it's coming. We just hope it doesn't. Sometimes we think that if we ignore it or imagine it won't come to us, that, that uh, it, it won't happen. Um, you know, it's that thing that all of us will face at some point in our lives that nobody really wants to face. But, um, but if we don't prepare ourselves for the grieving process, if we don't prepare ourselves to do this well, um, you can, we, can, we can really cripple ourselves. Grief can really cripple you. It can lead us to disconnection. It can lead us to depression. It can lead us to addiction. It can lead us to despair and even a loss of our faith. And, and so if we don't do grieving well, it can really hurt us. And so the, my heart for all of us today is that we kind of come away with some kind of understanding of how do we grieve. Um, grief is a thing that we wish we could just move away from, but the research says, and... Experience tells us, and, and the Bible tells us, that there are healthy and unhealthy ways to grieve. So, um, and there's also a way that Jesus grieved, that, uh, that I believe can really be instructive for us today, and how we should grieve as well. So for those of you who don't know or are new to the mission, which I don't see too many of you, but um, last Sunday we announced that our lead pastor, Chris Robbins, was, was let go, and, and um, leaving, it left all of us really this hole in our heart and struggling with this deep sense of loss and grief. And I know that was hard for many of you. Um, Sunday night, we, we talked a little bit about it, and then Monday morning, I woke up and I knew that it was my turn to preach this week now. Um, and I sat, I went to Augie's, and I sat down and, and um, 
Augie's is a coffee shop down the road, if nobody, people don't know where that is. Um, I sat there and I, I fasted all day and I studied the word and I prayed, just God, what are you, what are you calling me to say? Um, and I was thinking about grieving and, and how difficult this season is going to be for, for us here at the mission. And I was staring at the bricks in that back room. At, you know, there's kind of a cool vibe at Augie's, right? You kind of sit there and it smells like coffee and there's people kind of discussing their projects and uh, college students working on their, on their papers. And, uh, and, you know, there was a couple parents who had their kids running around and they were talking about half marathons and, um, you know, just kind of the hustle and bustle of a coffee shop. And uh, I was sitting there, like, just staring at that brick wall and thinking, you know, this is... this. This is hard because all these people are just living their lives and doing this, doing their thing, and I'm sitting here trying to think, how do I, how do we go forward from this t- kind of tough spot in in our lives? And 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 it's really, it's really like this numbness that I felt, and um, you know, the world's going around on around me, and and people's lives are just going well, and the Facebook, uh, uh, you know, kind of posts that people put in Instagram, and everything looks kind of rosy for them and I'm just sitting here kind of like in in this hole uh, I don't know if anybody else felt that way this week um, so that's that's just kind of where I started with this and it feels like you know you're looking around at these people and you're like God, nobody else understands how I feel it's just not fair like that that this is this way and I remember the last time I felt like this in a coffee shop um, it was actually it was July 9th 2008 um, it was a day that I wish just never happened. Um, it was a day that has taught me a lot, though, about the process of grieving. And it, I hope nobody has to feel this way in this room, but I'm going to tell you a little story, a little bit of a story about my life and um, grieving. Um, so many of you already know this story, so I'm just going to be kind of going through it fairly quickly. But um, for the, those that don't know... Um, I, we, uh, Adrienne and I had a daughter. Her name is Carissa. And uh, she was born 10 years ago, March 29th, 2005. And uh, she was plagued with seizures. She uh, was had seizures since she, probably since she was born. And we found out about it about three weeks uh, of age for her. And, you know, we asked God to take her seizures away. Um, we asked God, why did this happen to her? And we prayed every day that God would heal her body. Um, uh, as you guys know, I'm a doctor, so uh, that being a doctor has its privileges. And you know, f- you have friends and fr- friends of friends who um, are experts in, in medicine. And uh, you know, because I I work at Kaiser Permanente, I have the ability to kind of get her seen anywhere by the best specialists that we have. And um, that you know have its has its privileges, but. Even despite all of that, um, Krista never stopped having seizures. And, um, and that was really hard. Um, you know, we took her to all these doctor visits and spent all, took, took all this money and time, spent giving, giving her different medications. We gave her, put her on a diet that, that restricted all of her carbohydrates. It was like the, the most difficult diet, you know, because I love ice cream. And, um, and she couldn't eat ice cream, and uh, and, and we and we struggled with that. Um, despite all of that, Carissa really wasn't able to be healed. 
We tried everything that was humanly possible. We tried everything that was spiritually possible. We're praying, asking God for something different. And although she was debilitated by her seizures and she had a developmental delays, she didn't speak, um, she had this most infectious smile. And um, she, was, she had the sweetest personality. And, and uh, we loved her. And so as my wife was putting Carissa to bed on July 7th, she prayed like she always did, God, just heal my baby. Take the seizures away. And on July 8th in the morning, um, she didn't wake up. And uh, I found her in her bed, and she'd been dead for a while. And, and this was obviously the worst loss. And everybody in this room can, cannot imagine it. And until that day, I'd never really lost anybody close to me. And I didn't want to have to deal with grief the first time with, with my daughter. As you can imagine, that day was super emotional and, and it's like a blur of emotions. I don't remember all that much from that day. Um, what I do remember is fear. I remember being really scared. Um, I was just afraid of what to, was to come. And I remember one guy um, who, who cared about us in that moment. He's a paramedic. I don't remember his name. I remember kind of what he looks like. I remember him being in a uniform and being looking strong and ready to help. And he said to me as we're running around in this grief, as you can imagine, screaming and crying. And, and he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, you need to take care of your wife. And, um, and I was thankful to him because I was thinking I need something to do right now um, because I don't know what else to do. Um, but I also was so afraid because I knew the statistics, at least what I thought were the statistics, that people who lose children, um, their marriages break up like 75% of the time was what kind of I had in my mind. I, I later looked up the research, and as you guys will find out later today, I, that's my thing. I like to research. Um, and I sort of looked it up, and I found out that actually now that that's, divorce statistics are really difficult to, to, to determine in that sense. But at that moment, it didn't matter. I was scared to death about losing my marriage and um, and so that was that was what I was going through my mind and obviously losing a child is not is the worst thing you know in terms of grief that people can experience it seems to me I don't want to think of any other more difficult griefing situation but um, that deep sense of loss that sense that there's no hope um I cried out to God that night. I was praying for my marriage. I was praying for courage to like go into a funeral home for the first time. Um, stupid stuff that I think of now. But that was, that was my reality at that point. I was angry. I was anxious. I was, I was afraid of what was ahead. And so as I sat at Augie's on, on Monday morning, I was thinking, you know, this is, this is kind of that feeling. Obviously, it wasn't that that bad, um, thank God, but, um, but it was really that sense of grief and the sense of, like, lost. Um, and I realized that we as a mission are in our July 9th moment. Um, we're at that beginning of the road through this grieving process, and 
we're staring at the walls and thinking about what's to come and like kind of feeling numb and feeling regret and, and wishing we could have done something different and we wanted to wanted things to turn out differently we had what ifs and what why not why this and some of us are just feeling tired sometimes from this continued mental exhaustion of processing it. I don't know about you guys this week, but that's kind of been my feeling. Like, I slept a lot this week. I was off work, thankfully. Um, but there's a lot of exhaustion of your mind just kind of running, and that's what we felt um, July 9th. I mean, it's just like you couldn't sleep, but you, but you were thinking about it a lot. And um, I hope some of that resonates with some of you, because that's, that's just the normal grieving. Um, it's okay. Maybe others of you have some other grief that you're dealing with right now. So hopefully this is this may apply to your life today as well. Maybe you have a death of a loved one, a new diagnosis. It's it's cancer. It's something going on. I know there's a lot of us that that grieve a lot of different things, and that's that's okay. Sometimes it's losing your job or losing out on a dream that you had. Of there's a lot of times there's loss, and, and, and sometimes you just can't, I can't even imagine what those losses are for you, but I know that loss is part of life. So I can remember exactly the way it felt by when I was looking back on that July 9th moment. Um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, you know, I can think back about July 9th, think of what I lost, and now look at what I've, what I have. Um, and it's like, I could have never imagined my life being what it is today on July 9th. As, so you don't all, I don't leave you all in a, in a, in a state of sadness. We have three beautiful children. Um, we, our, our boys were born um, in 2010, so two years after that. We had tw- twin boys, Preston and Ethan. This week was their birthday, so we, uh, they turned five, and we went to Disneyland. And... Um, and so that was awesome. And um, we have a baby girl who was born in 2013. <laughs> Gotta keep track of this. She thinks she was she's 16 years old, but um, but she also had a birthday this week, so she turned two. Now she's already saying she's three. So she, again, she really likes. To, she, she thinks she's older than she is. But that those three beautiful children were were not something that I could think about on July 9th. It was really not you know, in my my mindset. And so that kind of hope for the future was just difficult. But as I think back about it, our family has grown, right? But it's not just grown in numbers. Um, you know, it's grown in faith. We've grown in faith. We've grown in our dependence on Jesus. We've We've had so many blessings from God in the last seven years. So on that day, though, I couldn't, Imagine that there was a plan or a future or any anything beyond that moment. So I know it's hard to see the future at the mission sometimes, and um, considering what's been going on. But I think that's okay. Um, that's where we are today as a church. We're in the grieving process, and we're at the very beginning, and we're grieving, and that's okay. So as is my style, as I started thinking about what what is grieving, what how am I supposed to grieve? I remembered. Um, this model of grieving um, and that I learned in medical school and I started, you know, Googling it and trying to figure out, you know, how, how I'm supposed to grieve, um, which seems stupid, but it gives me something to do when, in that moment. So um, I remember this, this, uh, this author named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she wrote a book in 1969, a book called On Death and Dying, and this was actually a book written about finding out a diagnosis of, 
terminal cancer or um, what kind of grieving a person goes through with that. But we've kind of seen that it applies over throughout all the grieving process. And so kind of that was my, my first step was just kind of looking at what is normal grieving and what does that look like. Um, what I've found later as I've kind of studied this a lot more is that grieving, it doesn't, there's a lot of controversy around this, this model and models are, tend to be that way, whether it's a communication model or any kind of model in, in scientific literature. Usually it's, it's, it's debated and there's not always um, agreement on it, but I just kind of wanted to, um, to, to use this kind of as a, as a springboard for us today as to what's considered kind of normal within the scientific literature. So we'll start with um, uh, these, these five steps of grieving. And the first one is denial. And it's that moment where you find out and you cling to this alternate reality, like it's, is this all a dream or is this really happening? Um, or maybe if you found out a cancer diagnosis, maybe it's, you feel like, oh, it's not that bad, we're fine, it's no big deal. Um, so denial is kind of that first step, and, and that sense of numbness is really where I was sitting in, uh, in that July 9th coffee shop moment. And so many of us may be feeling that numbness, and that's, that's kind of the, the first step. And the second step is anger. And anger is normal within the grieving process, but it's, but it's also the goal of these steps is that, that we kind of move through them not move through them like stepwise. Sometimes you go back and forth through them all. But anger, this is a stage of like blaming and looking for a scapegoat. And when Adrienne and I were going through this, um, you know, I, I remember thinking, oh, why didn't I check her earlier in the, in the morning? Or why did, we, why did we not, you know, we just kind of trying to think of other reasons why we could have, what, what we did wrong. Um, the truth is that wasn't, there was no nothing we did wrong, but that's just that's just normal to be angry. We blamed God and we blamed ourselves, and you know we blamed the doctors sometimes. You know, just that's just kind of how it, how it is, and that's normal too. Um, so that's the second step. The third step is bargaining, and it's this kind of thing where looking for ways to to make it make it make it back to the way it was. Um, I remember praying to God like, you know, I don't know, bargaining like, look, just bring her back, you know, to life, and that just seems super irrational right now, but, um, but I remember that. That was the bargaining phase, and it was, it was real, and it happened. Um, you know, I was always hoping for a different answer. The fourth step is depression, and this is the stage where... Um, oh, I got it backwards there, didn't I? Sorry. Uh, uh, this is the stage where, where we um, can kind of get stuck a lot, and, and honestly, it's where Adrienne and I were for a while. Um, I couldn't work. I couldn't think straight. Um, just didn't feel like life was. I was able to function well. Um, and so we we risk getting stuck in that depression phase. That's actually the fourth phase. Um, and I just kind of you know that was where we were at that point for for a while. Um, and the final stage is the stage of acceptance. And, and this is where Adrienne and I were today, are today at this point. It's not that we forget our daughter, or we forget the grief that we went through, or, or we just kind of ignore it, but through prayer and, and processing with our, with our friends and family, and we can at least accept that her death is part of our story. And something good came out of this. Um, 
even if it, we don't believe that you know that's God's will in our you know our plan, you know that that's a tough that's a tough thing for me to to kind of still accept. Like, oh God, just you know let her die. Um, but we accept that it's part of our story, and that's that's okay. So that's what the literature says about grieving. And um, I just thought that would be helpful for some of you to kind of to kind of frame grieving the grieving process. But let's talk about what God says about grieving um, as well. So, as we are going to see today, Jesus really he grieves with us. Um, he's calling on us to rejoice even in those difficult moments in our lives, and um, he has a purpose and a plan for these difficult times, even it, it, as long as we seek his will. And so. Um, I was, gonna, I, was inter- I was thinking about how I deal, deal with grief, um, and, and when I'm in those moments, I think back about my childhood and those kind of core verses that I remember as a kid. And um, I don't know how many of you grew up in a church, but uh, for me, I grew up in a church, and, and we had these kind of Bible memorization uh goals or whatever and, and, and you'd have these competitions against your friends how many of you guys have done that um just me okay that's fine no there's people so you know you know what i'm talking about you're trying to memorize scripture and you're trying to remember like what uh what you know what scripture can i get in get to, to uh get the get the prize with the least amount of work and so i was so when i whenever i you know go through things in my life i remember these verses it's crazy but i remember these things that were like the shortest things the ones that stuck with me maybe the ones that were a song so those were the ones that i would memorize or the ones that 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 um that kind of you know were 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 stuck in your mind because of that and so we would use those bible verses to you know to kind of get to win these games but uh and i know that's kind of cheesy but it is True that as the things you remember the most are what you go back to when in the tough times. So Bible memorization of Scripture is really, really key. And so I'd encourage you to do it, um, even if you don't win. Uh, you know, it's not for a for a competition. But um, if you didn't grow up in the church and you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you're going to learn a few verses that are short today because I'm lazy and I learned them very well, very well. They're really short. Um, so uh, there's a there, in the in the history of Bible memorization, there's one verse that we all know is the shortest verse. What does anybody know? What the shortest verse? Jesus wept. Right, exactly. Jesus wept, and so that's one you get a little point on that one. Um, it's only two words, so you know it's it's an easy one. And this verse is in the context of friends of Jesus uh, who had lost a brother. So it's kind of fitting for, for where I was in, you know, on that July 9th moment. Um, Mary and Martha, they, they were calling on Jesus after their brother Lazarus had died. And, and um, it took a while for Jesus to, to get there. It took, the Bible says it took them like four days. Uh, Lazarus had been gone. Um, and so let's go ahead and read the scripture from the point a little bit ahead of Jesus wept on, uh, in John 11, uh, verses 32 through 35. So it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus then wept. Jesus wept. And Jesus was weeping as he was deeply moved by the grief that they were feeling. They'd lost their brother, 
And in fact, if you read the whole story of uh, in, in John here, you'll see that the family and those around the family, they were asking, why didn't Jesus keep him alive? He, you know, why, didn't, why, why did he have to die? They were second-guessing him or blaming him or... Uh, they were probably bargaining with Jesus. If, you, if only, can you please... And they had all their what-ifs and their, you know, kind of their own grieving process. And that's, that's kind of the, the normal grieving process. But see, the funny thing to, I think about in this verse is that Jesus, he already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? He didn't like just, oh, let me think about, oh, let me just raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that. He knew was, that was his plan. But he still wept. So... My take home from that is that God has a plan for all of these situations. God had a plan for our family on July 9th. God has a plan for for the mission right now. But he's grieving with us. He's weeping with us in our sadness and in our own pain. And that's what I love about Jesus, is that he loves us so much that he he's with us. He has this kind of deep sense of pain along with us. So I think that's that's really comforting to me. As Adrienne and I were going through this pain of our loss, um, you know, like I said, we never had a, a, a idea of what God's future plan was. We just knew that Jesus wept with us. Um, so in this moment of difficulty and sadness for our church as well, Jesus doesn't say, get over it, move on, that kind of thing. He says... I'm with you. In the first step of acknowledging the loss is is really just weeping and, and being sad. And that's a, that's kind of the first step. And so the next verse that many of us memorized when we were kids, and at least my is a song, okay? And so I'm gonna sing this. Song. It's Philippians 4.4. 4. Does anybody even know Philippians 4.4 4 without the song? Okay, I've got it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Yes. So, so that was the next verse that I would memorize. And it's also a very instructive verse in these difficult, in these difficult times. And if you didn't grow up in the church and you don't know that song, please don't feel bad. It's not that good of a song anyway. So... Um, <laughs> But this this actually came in the context, this verse came in the context of um, the Philippians church. And there was actually, they, right before this, this rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice verse, is a, is a discussion of a difficulty within the Philippian church. Um, there was two women in the church who were apparently arguing or having a disagreement. And, and Paul is asking and pleading for unity within the church. So, again, this is kind of in this difficult situation within a church, and, um, and uh, it's, that's the context where, where this comes. So let's go ahead and bring it up here. So the, 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 ver, the verse starts in, in uh, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I, w- I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's very, very comforting to me. Rejoicing in the Lord, and you will have peace. Rejoice in the Lord, though, is counterintuitive when we're in pain. Um, 
you know, it's, it's hard to kind of feel thankful and, and gratitude. It's not our first go-to emotion when we're going through difficult circumstances. Um, I know, I remember for me, there was a song that just kept coming back to me all the time in these, in that, in that season after Carissa died. And um, it was, it goes, you know, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And again, I think we, we tend to fall back on those things in our, in our childhood or early in our faith that, that just really ground us. And that was a song that I always went back to. I sang it over and over. Um, it didn't solve the pain. didn't solve that loss, but it gave me peace. And I think that's the peace that Paul's talking about. This peace that kind of passes all understanding. He also talks about prayer and petition. He says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, present your request to God. So, again, that's kind of like Paul's strategy and God's strategy for getting through these difficult times. It's really about prayer and petition and being thankful for what we do have. Um, that's, seem, you know, what, Lazar, what the family of Lazarus did. They, they, they went to Jesus and they prayed to him and they, they, they petitioned him. And it's not that God didn't have a plan, but he heard our cry and he, com- he, he responds with this peace, this, understand- this peace that passes all understanding. And that's the peace that I feel like we need today. Amen. As we move forward in the coming weeks and months, I'm, we're going to need to sustain this practice of prayer. I was really encouraged on Friday night. Um, many of you were there. Um, we had a, we have a prayer service on Friday night with, with songs and just kind of um, being together in community. I would encourage you over the next weeks and months as we continue to do that on Friday night. Um, as many of you can be there, and I won't be able to be there all the time because of my schedule and work and so forth. But as many of you can come and just pray. That's what our community needs. That's what our church needs. Um, it helps us guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and that's what the scripture says. We want to be known for our gentleness, and that, that, um, that's the promise that, that Paul is giving us there. So. so the final verse I wanted to talk about today, it's also a song, but it's kind of obscure, so I don't expect you guys to know this one. Um, it's from John 15.5. Um, does anybody know the song, His Banner Over Me Is Love? I am the vine and he is the... Uh, his banner over me is love. It's a worse song than the last one, so I'm sorry. But it was, it was like a song that, that stuck with me. His banner over me is love and I am the vine and he is the branches. That kind of melody just stuck with my heart. Um, so let's go ahead and go to um, John 15, verses 1 through 5. And this is talking a little bit about about pruning and Jesus this is Jesus words here in John 15 verses 1 through 5 if you want to turn that turn there on your iPhones or your Bibles or your iPads and we have it up here too so I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be, be even more fruitful You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, isn't that an amazing kind of comfort? See, I'm not a gardener. And when they talk about pruning, I'm not really great at growing anything. Um, you know, about the closest I come to gardening is telling my gardener that my sprinklers are out. And even then, the lawn looks terrible right now. But um, thankfully, we live in an age of Wikipedia, so I checked it out for you guys. What's, what's pruning really mean? Because I, I don't prune anything. So, um, But I found a couple definitions that I think I think we're actually fitting in, in, in when we talk about what pruning is and why we do it and what does it actually do and what can we expect from pruning. The first one is called directional or formative pruning. I mean, this is right out of Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. Um, <laughs> so directional or formative pruning is removal of appropriate branches to make the tree structurally sound while shaping it. I thought that was, you know, it's hard to hear it, but that's what, that's what pruning is. Second one is, is uh, crown reduction. So reducing the height and or spread of a tree by selectively cutting back to smaller branches and in fruit trees for increasing of light and enhancing fruit quality. So those are two kind of pruning definitions that I found. And as kind of tough as it is to see that in my own life, um, I, I, I see that in our church as well. So as I look back to where, I, where we were as a church three years ago, and where we were two years ago, and where we were one year ago, and where we are today, I, I see growth. I see this, this growth, this deep kind of, kind of growing church. But, but I see growth in our, you know, like our community. I see growth in our discipleship of each other. I see growth in our reaching of the least, the last, and the lost. I think that that is who we are. We've been growing. Um, but every branch that does bear fruit then needs pruning. And that's the hard part. Um, that's the part that we don't understand. And that's the part that that we, we grieve. Um, why does God prune us? He prunes us to increase our light and to increase our, the quality of our fruit. But, but it's hard. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem possible that we can be better because by being cut back. And I know God's the master gardener, but I wish I could explain why God chooses this path. I, I have a hard time thinking of my daughter, Carissa, in this way. Like, why was she? She was good fruit, need to be pruned. That just seems, it's like it falls down for me, but, but I know God has a plan. That's, that's what's so amazing about the scripture and what Jesus is saying here is that God has a plan. I hate to think that I need to be our our family needed to prune, prune to make our family more fruitful, but but um, I just can lean on one thing, um, and that's that God is the master gardener. God is is the is the one who has a plan for me, and God has a plan for us as a church. He uses these difficult times to grow us. But it requires pruning at times, and that's, that's painful. 
So Jesus weeps with us in our hurt. He calls us to rejoice and pray and have thanksgiving in these times of need and pain and difficulty. And finally, we ha- he has a plan for us. And that includes pruning, but it also includes growth. So when all else fails, we can lean on that. So maybe you're feeling the same way as I was this week. Maybe you felt the pain. Maybe you've been dealing with grief in another area of your life. But what can we learn from what we've, we've talked about through these scriptures today? First, seek Jesus. So like Mary and Martha cried out to Jesus when they lost their brother, through prayer and through fasting and in community, in small groups, in large corporate groups like we do on Friday nights, we need to pray. And today is the beginning of that healing process. But it's not going to come overnight. Next thing that we need to do is praise our Heavenly Father. Stand up and praise Him. Whether it's in your attitude of praise, whether it's through singing, or whether it's in prayer, I want to challenge you to increase your prayer and your, and your um, praise in this difficult season. Again, it's counterintuitive. Sometimes it doesn't feel like quite the easiest thing to do, but that's, that was, was what God's calling us to do through Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And finally, look for ways to be part of the growth that comes through pruning. It's painful to go through that pruning process. It hurts. It doesn't seem fair sometimes or it doesn't seem right, but God has a plan, and he needs each of us in this room to be part of that plan. So at the mission, we have a core value. And that core value is that every member has a mission. So today, I hope that you all will lean in with me to the challenge of what lies ahead. That you'll all lean in to some of this difficult work that lies ahead. See, God is calling us to continue the mission of the mission. And if you haven't heard it yet, if we've not said it enough, The mission of the mission is to connect with the community, to grow in faith, and to serve Jesus. And that's why we're here. And that's hopefully why you all are here, is to connect with our community in Redlands, with our community as a church family, with our our community in small groups. Community is so important. To grow in faith together in our small groups, in, in discipleship, but grow outwardly too, into our into Redlands, into our city, into the Inland Empire, to the ends of the earth. And finally, to serve Jesus. Serving is, is the key, and, and that's part of what God may be calling you to do today. As you're in the grieving process, as you're as you're seeing this pruning happening, as the pain of pruning kind of hits you, God's calling you to something. And that may be just serving where you are. So if you believe that God has a plan for us and you're willing to join with us, um, I believe the coming season will change your life. I really do. It's, it'll change the life of your family. It'll, it'll change the life of those in this community of Redlands. And the fruit that we're going to see will be more than we can imagine. 
So I know that I, that I say this a lot around here. I, I feel like I come up here and I, at the end of my message, I always say the same thing. Um, but I really believe that we are called to, to set a fire for God in this community. That's what I was called to do being here now three years. I just see that there's a need for that. And, and I'm so excited about that. So if we remain focused on Jesus, if we look towards his will, if we remain in him, the one who loves us and he, he cries in our pain, the one who gives us peace, the one who's the master gardener of our lives, if we, if we lean on him, he gave us a promise. And I trust him, I trust Jesus to come through on this because I've seen him do it before in my family. Even when you don't think like it's even possible. I trust Jesus to continue the good work here at the mission. And, and again, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm listening to what God's calling us to do through the scripture. Through all those silly Bible verses I learned when I was probably six years old. Um, so... The truth is, Jesus has a plan for us. So, I hope you'll join me and join us together in the next season. Um, as the ushers come, let's, let's go ahead and pray. God, this is hard. Jesus, as we kind of focus on, on grieving today... I just wish it was easy. <laughs> I wish you had a way to make this process easier. I'm just so thankful that you came and, and you grieve with us. Even in some of the darkest hours, God, I know, I know that I can lean on you because you love us so much. Because you came and you died for us. Because you have a plan. So God, as we sit here in our July 9th moment here at the mission, God, I just ask that you help us take that next step forward. Have the courage to abide in you, to be in you, to begin to see the plan that you have for us. And God, as we as the ushers come, we just ask that you would bless our offerings. Help them to multiply. Help them to be, um, to, to kind of become the, the, next, the next thing that we need, God, just is that, that you would build us up in, in this place, God. As, as hard as this, this season is, God, I just ask that you would be with our, our offerings and help them be um, to you. Not for us, but for this community, God. In Jesus' name we pray.